Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, May 12th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to be joined by Andy Koska. He is one of the new Orioles beat writers over at the Baltimore Sun. We're going to talk about D.L. Hall's AAA debut on Tuesday night in Norfolk. We're going to talk a bit about the Orioles offense and how it's surging in May after a really, really tough April. And we'll learn a little bit about Andy, who's written some great stories so far for the Sun and continues his great Orioles coverage. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So on today's episode, uh, recorded this, by the way, here on Wednesday afternoon. So as you're listening to this, the Orioles did play game two against the Cardinals. Uh, hopefully it was a win. If it was a loss, well, they'll go for the series on Thursday. But we are going to be joined here by Andy Casca. He is an Orioles beat writer for the Baltimore Sun, his first year on the O's beat coming to us live from a Norfolk hotel at the moment. And Andy, uh, first of all, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Always have for an old friend. Yeah. And so uh, me and Andy, as people may know, uh, go back to the Diamondback, the student newspaper at the University of Maryland, uh, sp spent some long days in that newsroom together. But uh, now we're both covering the Baltimore Orioles. And, you know, we'll get to the Orioles, Andy, but you know, I had you on just kind of at a perfect timing as you're literally in Norfolk. You saw D.L. Hall make his AAA debut on Tuesday night. I know he didn't last very deep into the game. I don't think anyone really expected him to go six or seven innings. I'm sure that wasn't the plan. But in general, you know, Orioles fans saw a piece of him in spring training when he dominated that one inning. How do you kind of compare what he looked like Tuesday night versus, you know, the one inning high velo show that he put on? Probably the last time most Orioles fans got to watch him pitch. Yeah, well, I've also I saw him uh, in Aberdeen as well a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I've seen him in person twice. And what I think stood out to me both times is that, yeah, he has that high low fastball. He can touch triple digits. But I think the changeup is maybe the, the pitch that has improved the most uh, just from where he was even last year. Uh, that, that pitch was, was – it made a lot of guys in high A uh, look kind of silly, uh, as can happen. And, and even even last night for for Triple uh, I mean, he was he was great. Uh, slider was good, curveball was good. Uh, it's really those off speed pitches that stood out to me most because I think, yeah, for a, for a lefty starter throwing a hundred, that is pretty outstanding. But to be able to have the command of, of three other off speed pitches, um, that could really make him a, a front end starter at some point, uh, maybe soon. Honestly. Um, but it all kind of depends on. I expected him to go deeper in the game last night. Went three innings, one run, uh, two walks, two hits, uh, four strikeouts, I think it was. And, you know, 53 pitches. Uh, he In high A, he pitched 54. In double A last week, he pitched uh, 59. I kind of thought they would bump him up a little bit more. Um, but he did have, you know, kind of a high stress uh, second inning there. Um, maybe they just decided with the cold weather, it was, it was, it was very blustery. I was I was a little cold. Uh, you know, I'm sure they, they had a better idea. Of like, hey, let's let's make sure he just does the last uh, last 17 pitches or whatever uh, he wanted to do uh, in the confines of the of the bullpen in the dugout or wherever they might do it. Obviously, he's been at he's been at four plus one is what he told me in Aberdeen. So he was a little bit below that, but 
Uh, we'll, we'll see if he can kind of stretch that pitch count up a little bit in the, in the next coming weeks. Yeah, and I think really the the other question here is, you know, everything you hear about Dia Hall is high velocity, really good stuff, but it's can the command get him to the big leagues? Can that command get him through five, six innings as a starter? And again, through three innings, you know, you're not going to get the full picture, but uh, this is what I want to ask everybody who watches him pitch. Like, what did he look like command-wise? Because we know the stuff continues to be electric. Yeah. You know, first batter he faced, three pitches, three strikes, uh, goodbye. So that was pretty awesome. Um, Turn on the second batter, too. Then he walked the third. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the the way it kind of goes through DL a little bit. Um, he always has the potential. I know it was against the lefty. Uh, I was against the player of the month for the International League, that, that third at bat. So uh, it's it's a difficult matchup. He left a lot of fastballs outside the zone, uh, especially, you know, off the plate, away from the lefty batter. And you kind of feel like, you know, maybe that's the one spot that, uh, you know, the, the he can, he can throw it. He can really, you know, zip it in there. But if, if he cannot have consistent command of the zone, then you're, you're always have that little nagging in the back of your head. Um, I was talking to a scout in Aberdeen uh, after he watched uh, DL pitch. And, you know, the, the big question was reliever or starter. You know, it is kind of always the big thing. And, and after watching him pitch in Aberdeen, that was high A, of course. That was his first, you know, affiliate start in almost a year, like 11 months or whatever it was. Um, you know, there was kind of a, a belief from him that, hey, this this could be a starter, just the way that he commands his off-speed pitches. Um, you have that big fastball as like a, okay, I need to blow somebody, you know, I'll blow a pitch by somebody. Yeah, well, well DL, I mean, it, as long as he kind of find, keeps that strike zone. And, and the, the Orioles have done a, a pretty good job top to bottom of, of saying they want their pitchers to go, you know, right after guys. They want that first strike. And, and they're going to assume that, there's going to be more contact because of it, but they have eight fielders behind the dish for a reason. Uh, so they can kind of deal with that contact. Uh, you know, again, with that heater, I mean, there's a lot of things you love, but I think it's really the off-speed pitches that impress me most and could make him a long-term uh, starter. Yeah, and, and obviously with him on the mound, and it was cool to see him get another start with Adley Rutschman behind the plate, of course. And and we won't get into, you know, how Adley looked in, you know, what, four plate appearances and catching Tuesday night. Orioles fans have seen him plenty. But I wanted to talk more, you know, before we move on to Orioles stuff about, you know, I know you got to talk to these guys Tuesday night, and, and you wrote about this uh, for The Sun on Wednesday. But just kind of what is the vibe, the feeling from, you know, really the big three? Because Grayson, DL, and Adley are all together again. They all started the year, or they were all briefly together in A last year. Grayson started the year in high A for a bit. But they're all back together in AAA. They're all one step away. And Orioles fans are, are pretty certain that we'll see Adley next week. Obviously, Grayson and D.L. Hall are, are a little further behind. But kind of what, what were they saying? What, what's the vibe of those three? Because they know they're coming up this year, but there's probably still some question marks on when exactly that happens. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of question marks about, you know, when, especially with D.L., you don't know his pitch count. Uh, I talked to Grayson and asked him specifically about how he feels with being stretched out because he's been kind of limited to, to how many pitches. And, and he said he's absolutely ready. Uh, you know, he, he wants to throw 100, 110 every, every fifth day, uh, which is not going to happen. They're never going to let that happen at the AAA level, uh, even at the major league level, probably not ever going to happen. Um, but Grayson feels ready. Um, and then Adley, I mean, he's media trained enough now that he knows not to, 
give me the juicy sound bite that I was really hoping for. Um, but he, you know, I think he, you know, he could not, uh, you know, he hinted at the excitement as well. I mean, there's the top three prospects according to baseball America for the Orioles organization are in Norfolk right now and, and they're knocking on the door. And that's kind of what I wrote about uh, last night it was published this morning, uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, you know, that's, you know, an exciting thing for the organization to have guys this close. And Adley could be up maybe the 16th, maybe the 20th. Um, he said he had no idea uh, when the timetable is, uh, which is honestly probably 100% true. Give him a hint exactly of, of when the time frame is. But, um, you know, there's definitely excitement there. I feel like, um, you know, he, when I asked Adley about it, he was very like, oh, we only focus on the next game. And like the, the very, you know, right ahead of us and you know he's you know that's just him uh, what he needs to say in the moment uh when i asked grayson about it he admitted he was like yeah those conversations happen all the time you know when, when you have you, you it's impossible to have you know those three up there you have a guy like nick vespi who's really throwing great you have cal stowers robert newstrom's playing well this year i mean you have a lot of guys that are kind of on the verge of of a major league debut and yeah, those conversations are going to happen. They're natural to have, have happen. And, you know, Grayson leaned into it and was like, yeah, that's the expectation. That's the goal. Um, and, of course, to get there, they have to perform at the AAA level. You know, before last night, entering, that was it, Tuesday, they went 3-9 on their last road trip. So, you know, talent is there, but maybe the results aren't always there. And that's what Buck Britton was talking about to me. He was, he was like, okay, yeah, we have a lot of guys and it's, it's super exciting, but – at the same time, you need to win games, and, and good baseball is going to get you, you know, success at the AAA level, and it's going to get you noticed for the major league level. So, uh, it's important not to, you know, completely bypass the ties and, and remember that, hey, like, yeah, okay, you can be a you can be a stud at this level, but to kind of get to that next level, you, you have to perform, and and eventually, you know, you'll, you'll get there. But right now, it's it's really what you do at this level. Um, but there's excitement. Absolutely, there's excitement. And I don't think, uh, no matter how much Adley wants to pretend that he's a robot and does not notice what's happening around him, it's it's there and it's it's happening. And and I think even he would notice it. Yeah, it's it's funny to, to talk about like the media training because obviously Grayson and DL were both drafted at a high school. They didn't kind of go through that college media training process. Adley played three years at one of the best programs in the country, won a national championship, was going to the College World Series, obviously was dealing with with SIDs, who I know you know a lot about as well. And and yeah. he's been through the ringer in terms of what to say and and what not to say. Um, so you're obviously going to get a little bit less out of him, and, and that is kind of what we expect. But uh, we're going to be back with Andy Koska talking more about the Major League team in just a second. But first, got to tell you about one of our sponsors today, and that is Athletic Greens. And it's a product that many use every day because they want better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system. It, it really can help with many different things. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And, you know, it's lifestyle-friendly. You can incorporate AG1 into really any diet, and it costs you less than $3 a day. And you're investing in your health. And, you know, it's it's cheaper than going and, and getting a coffee every day, which I'm sure a, a lot of people work into the budget as well. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. 
No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So we're here with Andy Koska of the Baltimore Sun, who uh, is joining us from Norfolk after watching the Tides play in their first game of the series this week, DL Hall on the mound. But we're going to switch things to the major league level here because the Orioles Got another victory in St. Louis on Tuesday night. We're hoping as you listen to this, they got another victory Wednesday night in St. Louis. But uh, they're playing good baseball, won seven of the last ten. And we know the pitching has been great. Kyle Bradish dominated. But the other change, which I know you tweeted about this a couple days ago, about the difference between just the runs scored in April and May, has been ridiculous. I mean, the Orioles essentially couldn't buy a hit with a runner in scoring position in the month of April. Not like they're lighting the world on fire in that sense, but it's gotten a lot better. So what have you noticed just between April and May? And it's not a clean cutoff like, you know, May 1st, the Orioles started winning again. But in general, you look at the numbers and the O's have at the very least started to pick up more hits. I mean, you know, you can't really measure this, but they've been a little more clutch probably in the month of May. And that's helped them out. Yeah, yeah, they got that people love to say on yeah, Twitter exactly. uh, this month. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they've scored 45 runs through 11 days of May and 62 uh, in April. So they will certainly bypass what well, you knock on wood. They should bypass uh, the, the 62 uh, from last month. But I asked Ryan Mountcastle about that specifically on Monday. And his, I mean, he really thought like, hey, there's just, Balls are landing. I mean, that's like the way baseball kind of goes. And I'll give him that. Like, there were some hard hit balls, especially from Trey Mancini. Like, I mean, how many 100 mile per hour exit velo did he have that found gloves instead of the outfield grass or the seats? You know, so uh, it's definitely a, a legit claim that sometimes balls fall finally, and there's a little bit of luck that goes your way. But I think more of it goes probably to uh, what they've been able to do just in terms of plate discipline, uh, not pressing so much the plate. I think the at-bat that really stood out to me, the uh, two outs, one-two count from Ryan Mountcastle, uh, two guys on, I think two guys on in that fifth inning. He fouled off two knuckle curves and a fastball, then took a slide for a ball, and then he poked a knuckle curve uh, into left field for an RBI single. And I think that's the at-bat that maybe a month ago we didn't see. Um, you know, maybe they were pressing a little bit, maybe... Maybe he swings to that slider because he's out. Um, instead, he laid off that slider and got the pitch. It was it was a low knuckle curve, but you know he he got what he needed on it. You know, poked it into left. I mean, that that was a really good at bat, and they scored four runs in that that Monday matinee game. That I'll take noon starts all the time if, if you ask me. I mean, that's a great for me. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they scored four runs with two outs in that that inning. Yeah, I don't know if you can. If there's, I don't know if there's a stat cast for the clutch gene, but it certainly maybe feels like they're a little bit more clutch this month than, than last month. Uh, the running and scoring position numbers are better. Um, maybe some of that comes down to what Mountcastle said about, yeah, stuff just is finding gaps finally. Um, maybe there's more to do. They're not pressing as much with two strikes. They're not saying, oh, I need to expand the zone here. They have a little bit more plate discipline. Uh, the swing decisions might be better 
in terms of not swinging at the first strike they see, but waiting for, you know, later in the count. I mean, I think those things probably, probably have greater weight than just luck because, you know, I, not to, not to bash on Mount Castle there. I just, I think there's a little bit more to it than, than, than luck. And, uh, so I, I think that's probably the biggest adjustment we've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are showing it. Um, another five runs last night, uh, a great pitching uh, outing from from Bradish and his third start. So yeah, a lot, a lot of promising signs there. And then, you know, I know you've written about this a little bit, but how much insight do you get into, you know, the, the Orioles have not one, but two new hitting coaches this year. And and we know it's it's a lot about their approach and swing decisions and, between Matt Borgschalti, who came from the minors, you know, c- coming over to the Orioles organization from Minnesota, and then you have Ryan Fuller, who gets the promotion from the Orioles minor leagues. You know, what what kind of sense do you have of of what they've tried to install, or at least, you know, how much these guys are buying in? Because you have some players who literally worked with Ryan Fuller in the minors, and it's probably much easier for those guys. But you also have some vets like Rugnet Odor and Robinson Chirinos coming in and saying, you know, we've got these two hitting coaches who never played in the big leagues. And, you know, there's a chance that those guys could kind of push that away. So kind of how have you seen that develop in the first month and a half of the season? Yeah, you know, I think people have bought in a lot. Um, I think the biggest, probably the best example I had is I was talking to Anthony Santander about this. And, you know, he was saying that, you know, something so subtle as in in batting practice, and they do this now top to bottom in, in the organization, they have a bucket behind home plate with a medicine ball sitting on the bucket. And that's the go zone. If the ball and batting practice hits that medicine ball, that's a player's go zone and they should have swung. Um, and if it doesn't, they watch a couple pitches in. If it doesn't hit that go zone, they just made that mental note of like, hey, that could be called a strike. Could legit, you know, like you never know, you know, what the strike zone might be that night. It could be called a strike, but that's a, that's a pitch you want to spit on. You don't, you don't want that pitch because it wasn't in your go zone. So I think the the adoption of a go zone and like really locking in on on where do I do the most damage uh, and understanding that for for player to player uh, has really helped players. Like I mean, Santander loves it. I mean, his on his his batting average isn't lighting the world on fire, but his on base percentage has been very, you know, eye popping this this early season. Um, he had what he's been on base. I think he started the season with like twenty some games and. Since then, he had one game that he didn't get on base, and has been on base pretty much every single other one. Um, you know, he, he's he's been getting on base a lot, and a lot of it comes down to that go zone. Um, but yeah, I, I think people are buying in. Um, a lot of the guys that were in the minors, it, it's a, maybe a little bit easier for them. Um, but as you said, with with Odor and, and Trinos and and you know some of the other veteran bats that that were in the minor leagues, uh, you know they aren't lighting the world on fire here. Um, but uh, I think people have kind of said, okay, yeah, let's trust this situation. And, you know, if, if, if it's, if it's working for other people in the line, it can't work for me kind of thing. So, yeah. and I think it, it is working. You see it, you know, and people like the go zone idea. And, and, and for Santander, you know, right now, as they go into play on Wednesday, tied for the American league lead and walks with a player you may have heard of named Mike Trout. Uh, so that's, that's a, that's a pretty good, Pretty good spot on the leaderboard for Santander to be. We'll be back for a little bit more with Andy Costco, the Baltimore Sun, in just a second. But first, got to talk about betonline.net. Because if you had bet on the Orioles having 13 wins at this point in the season, I mean, even at 13 and 17, people might have thought you were crazy. But uh, 
They're playing some pretty good baseball. You can probably get some good odds on the Orioles over at betonline.net, your one-stop shop for all your sports wagering needs. Now, you can, of course, place your bets and, and find all the lines you need, but you can also get live score updates at betonline.net. You can get uh, your latest injury news, latest sports news in general, and you can listen to podcasts just like this one to prepare you for not just the MLB season, but, of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs as well. And you can get all that, but you can also, at betonline.net, Play your favorite Vegas casino games right from the comfort of your own couch. They really have it all, everything for the sports gambler. So again, head over to betonline.net for all your sports wagering needs. That's betonline.net, where the game starts. So we're here with Andy Casca of the Baltimore Sun. And Andy, we've been talking AAA. We've been talking Major League Orioles. But wanted to kind of pose a question to you, you know, your first year on the Orioles beat here. And, and you've written some some good stories for the Sun so far and kind of taking a, you know, a, a different viewpoint of, of things, diving, you know, different ways into stories. Just wanted to ask, what's your favorite Orioles story that you have written so far? Because there's been some some interesting angles that you've uh, you've taken so far, as as you've been known to do in your journalism career. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I think I think my favorite actually might be the. Uh, binocular story I did when they get on base and they do the binoculars. It just was kind of funny. Um, you know, I, I, the first person I asked about that was Trey Mancini and I walk up to him I'm like, Hey, like, what's the deal with like, when you guys do this, like what's going on? And he was like, he was like, oh, I don't know, man. It's like something to do with you games. Like go ask one of the young guys. And I was like, okay, like, I'll go ask one of the young guys. So I walked over to the Mount castle and he explained that it was uh it's call of duty and they, they call in a precision airstrike. And, the funny thing is, it's actually Rudnit Odor that's that's really a big uh, proponent of all this. You know, he helped start the home run chain as well, which I wrote about. Um, you know, Cedric Mullins is big in Call of Duty as well. So when when they play uh, Warzone, that that's that's kind of where where that whole binocular thing comes from. But I think that one might be my favorite, um, just as like an and I like the the stories that maybe aren't in a little bit. You know. Um, under the radar, that everyone saw it, you know, nobody had asked. You know, I feel like those are probably my favorite stories too. Yeah, and and even the one you wrote too about, you know, just kind of the the, the wall coming into play as yeah. well, and and just different stuff that you've written. Just you know, the quote from Mountcastle. We know players are, are feeling like that. It's going to take them a, a little while to to adjust to it as well. And when you have a ball be an inch away from a two run homer, that might have kind of changed the the outcome of that game on Sunday. Obviously, uh, it's going to get to you as well, but. Before we wrap up, Andy, you know, I, I kind of know the Andy Casca story because uh, I, I was working with you at the start of your of your journalism career. But kind of, uh, you know, what were the last couple of steps? Just so, you know, people know who, who Andy Casca is as they read your work. What were the last couple of steps in the uh, in the journalism career before getting here? Because I know it was covering a good amount of baseball, but uh, at a different level at your last stop as well. Yeah, well, my uh, career path is probably less interesting than those of uh, the prospects I've been covering lately. But um yeah before this i was working down in starkville mississippi uh where jordan westberg made his mark um uh, cover mississippi state uh all sports there football women's basketball men's basketball baseball uh for the clarion ledger uh usa today so that was a good time um you know i bonded a little bit when i talked to westberg a little while ago about what bars in starkville are the best and there's not many options so we were pretty much on the same uh on the same same wavelength there but yeah before uh, before Mississippi, I was uh, with the Washington Times in D.C. And then uh, before that, I was uh, a couple of internships here and there. I was in Pittsburgh for a little bit. Uh, and 
and then the Diamondback, which is a, a student newspaper at University of Maryland, which is where I met you and uh, a lot of other great reporters out of the Diamondback, um, including many at the Baltimore Sun. So yeah, if you look around the Baltimore Sun newsroom, there's a good chance they're from the Diamondback. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's certainly a feeder. So last thing, you know, you're you're in the ballpark now, and obviously you're traveling around at some of these minor league sites as well. But you know, you, you've been in the area for a while, obviously before coming, you know, back to Baltimore to cover the Orioles beat. But uh, best part of covering the Orioles right now, this can be the view you get from the press box. This can be food in the press box you get. This can just be where you live. What's what's the 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 number one uh, A plus thing with moving back to this beat? Uh, they have a, a soft serve ice cream machine in the uh, in the press box uh, media cafeteria, and the cafeteria closes an hour after first pitch. So I'm usually it's like second third inning. I look at the clock. I'm like, oh, it's 7:45. Like I, like I can run out there real quick. I sprint upstairs, get a little bit of soft serve, run back down to my seat. That's like the, the second third inning pick me up that I that I need to get me through the game. So that that might be the best uh, best part. Uh, the view is, is, I mean, Camden Yards is amazing. Um, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's a lot of great parts of this job. It's not, not to trivialize it with, with soft serve, but soft serve, uh, is always a fun treat. Um, you know, as well as, you know, I love living in Baltimore as well. So good things, but the soft serve might be the, the top of it. Yeah, people are talking so much about the pitch clock. The the real clock that's important is the soft serve, serve clock in the press box. Yes. But Andy, thank you so much for joining us to talk a little AAA and your trip to Norfolk as you sit there now in a Norfolk hotel. And, and we're happy that uh, the Wi-Fi got much better early in this interview uh, as well from your Norfolk hotel and talk a little Orioles as well. And uh, we look forward to continuing to read your stuff over at the Baltimore Sun where you can check out all of Andy's work covering the Baltimore Orioles and other things uh, for the Sun Sports section. But Andy, thank you so much again for uh, making your first appearance on the Locked On Orioles podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, so that was Andy Koska of the Baltimore Sun. We'll be back for one more episode tomorrow previewing Orioles and Tigers. Scott Bentley of Locked On Tigers joins us to talk about the upcoming weekend series and also talk, you know, the Tigers are supposed to be a lot better this year and a year ahead of the Orioles. But why have the O's played so much better than Detroit? We'll break that down on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.